Janos, can you start your video, please? Yes, one minute. Lovely. Thank you very much. Good evening or good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Alexis Nicolaou, and I'm the CEO of Blob.com, uh, a technology company um, uh, spin-off from the University of Nicosia. Uh, sorry, uh, just checking up, getting messages that there's some technical issues. Uh, that's good. I think I think we're back on again. Thank you, guys. As I said, uh, Blocko is a spin-off um, uh, from the University of Nicosia. I've just been told to start the live on uh, Facebook. On, oh, that's fantastic. Great, thank you guys. Um, right, through its blockchain-based platform, Loco um, enables organizations to secure document authenticity and to combat document fraud. How do we do this? We do this by creating a digital fingerprint of a document and anchoring that to a blockchain. Um, it allows uh, us to issue digital documents that are both tamper-proof and self-verifiable. Uh, any third party that is actually granted access to the document can independently verify its authenticity without contacting the issuer. Uh, which leads to increased security, decreased costs, and of course, reduced admin time. Welcome to our webinar titled Blockchain for the Legal Industry. How is the coronavirus crisis making adoption more imminent? Our guests tonight are from the legal profession, uh, both close associates and good friends. Uh, lawyers with an interest in technology, uh, a passion if they would allow me to use the is frozen. It's it's frozen the connection. Hello? Sorry guys, I'm back, I froze technology, not much I can do about it. Um, not yet. Christiana, did I do the introduction of you? Um, you may have. Dying, okay. But, uh, well, I, I might as well do it again. I might as well do it again because uh, you know I'm not sure uh, if I'm alive. As I said, Christiana is a business technology lawyer with over 22 years' experience. Founder of Christiana Residu LLC, 
Vice President of Cyprus Blockchain Association, a certified international legal project practitioner, a digital transformation specialist, and licensed litigator since 1997. Janos, a technology advisor, author, and lawyer, managing um, uh, partner of Y. Georgiaris and Associates LLC, founded in 1992. He's also the co-founder of the business accelerator, KV Genesis Ventures, assisting several startups, especially in technology sector. Uh, he's also the president of Metropole Alliance International Association of Lawyers. Welcome both. Uh, before I go to our speakers, I would like to launch our poll for this evening with two questions in order to first establish the, the audience background and second to establish their familiarity with blockchain technology. Here we go. I'll give you 30 seconds to please vote. Thank you. Votes coming in. Seems that we got a lot of lawyers in the room. Thank you very much. Uh, I will share the results. Uh, we've got uh, a great number of lawyers, business owners, and of course there's academics in our, amongst us as well. Uh, I will share the second question. Please vote on your, um, uh, sorry, I, I think I'm, oops. Apologies, I will go to the second question. Please vote now. Thank you. Just to see your level of knowledge with regards to blockchain, uh, blockchain technology. There seems to be a lot of knowledge about a blockchain in the room. A lot of people aware of it. A few people, none whatsoever. There we go. I will share the results. Here we are. A lot of people are aware of, uh, of blockchain. Uh, some of the people are actively using it, which is, which is really good to, good to know. Um, so, over to you, Christiana. Thank you very much, first of all, for being with us. Um, uh, now, based on these results, Christiana, it would be good if you can actually explain um, in simple terms for us, uh, what blockchain is, is all about and also tell us what attracted you as a lawyer to this technology. Over to uh, you, Christian. First of all, good evening to all participants and thank you, Alexi, and thank you to all participants for their time. Uh, thank you for having me on here on this webinar. Uh, before, uh, Alexis, before I proceed to explain uh, what uh, blockchain is, allow me to share with you some important statistical results that may be of great uh, interest to the participants. 
First of all, a blockchain is in among the top tech trends in 2020 besides AI, IoT, and automation. Secondly, and very importantly, um, allow me to share with you that blockchain comes first on LinkedIn's most in-demand hard skill for 2020. And not only that, but as per the Idea Data Center Worldwide Blockchain 2018 to 23 forecast period during these years, blockchain spending grows at a robust pace with a five-year compound annual growth rate of 60.2%. This is amazing. Wow. Global blockchain spending will be led by the banking industry, which will account to 30% of the worldwide total, with the next largest industries being discrete manufacturing and process manufacturing, with a combined share of more than 20 overall spending, and then companies in the professional services, retail and utilities, will also grow faster than the overall market. Why? Why these industries? Because these industries are more transactional industries and blockchains, of course, disrupt transactional business. So um, I will now explain what it is. By, I will start by sharing with you what it is not. Blockchain is not a software. You cannot buy it from anywhere as a product, let's say, because it is not owned by any company, by any one company. No one group or country controls it. it uh, and, uh, you can use it wherever in the world you are, and anyone can use it. I know it sounds weird, but these properties, especially to people who are just heard of it, but these properties actually make blockchain. And it may seem complex and even um, nebulous, but when you think about it, I remind you that the internet had the very same properties. Do we have to understand the technical details of the internet to use it? Of course not. And if I pose to the participants a question, what is the internet? Only few of the participants will be able to provide the definition. So we just know internet. Has, we just know internet. And we know it has a tremendous impact on our lives and livelihoods. And this is the case with blockchains as well. And to start with, blockchain is a sophisticated mathematical algorithm, which initially enabled the creation of Bitcoin and the emergence of the cryptocurrency ecosystem. Blockchain is a decentralized technology or distributed ledger. On this ledger, information and transactions are recorded anonymously. The ledger 
on which these transactions are recorded is maintained by a network of unrelated computers, unrelated, not un non-connected, unrelated computers called nodes simultaneously and with synchronization. In other words, the ledger is distributed to each and every participant in that specific network, in the blockchain network. The transactions on the ledger are complete and continuous and form a chain of blocks. Put it in more simple way, the blocks are the transactions and the ledger is the chain, as is the train on the rails, let's say. So, a blog is only added to the chain if the nodes in the network reach consensus. That is, um, that it is, for the consensus uh, refers to the validity of the transaction. And if that um, blog is validated by the majority of the nodes, then it is added onto the chain, it is verified. To reach consensus, the nodes or participants consume huge volumes of power, of power, and this is important for the participants to know. Some of the nodes may not be miners, some others may be miners, but they, they all participate. In order to determine the validity of a transaction of a block, miners compete to solve a highly complex mathematical algorithm to verify it. This on the Bitcoin blockchain is called proof of work. The node who first manages to solve this mathematical algorithm and validate the block is rewarded. In the Bitcoin uh, blockchain is rewarded uh, with, with a Bitcoin. So this is a blockchain. That's great. Thank you, Christiana. And something about what drove you as a person, as a lawyer, to actually get into the, the technology itself, the blockchain, what was the attraction? What was the attraction? Um, you know, Satoshi Nakamoto's paper, white paper, um, with, uh, within which he shared this sophisticated mathematical algorithm was published in 2009. Uh, this found me in Queen Mary University of London studying for my third LLM degree on technology law. The paper was given to us by our professors for study and prepare academic work on, uh, on uh, it was a teamwork. So I was, I, I, allow me to say that I was connected with this technology from its birth. And knowing that it was just being invented made me more curious about it. So soon after, and especially in 2013 and 14, and then when Ethereum was launched uh, and smart contracts, I realized that this particular technology potentially would have a disruptive nature. It would prove to be a disruptive tech. So um, having in mind the distinction between, uh, between sustainable technologies and disruptive, uh, 
I was curious about it because I knew it would be a disruptive um, technology uh, and it would disrupt especially trust. And you know that lawyers <laughs> uh, base their legal services on trust. So all these factors actually influenced me and I started uh, researching on this technology from the very first uh, when it was uh, thank you Christiana I feel exactly what you're saying I come from a, um, a finance background myself I was for eight years in the city in London 15 years in media electronic banking and then I discovered blockchain and uh, you know I, I support everything that you said and I can see it uh, changing the world um, next question Christiana again to you um, do you feel that the current uh, coronavirus pandemic has made adoption of blockchain technology more imminent? And if so, why do you feel that? I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't reply to your questions, your question positively, because um, I believe that 2020 was anyway the year of blockchains. It may, um, have forced, I mean, um, coronavirus may have forced the, the digital transformation of the companies and businesses as a whole within this journey, of course, is blockchain. But I'm not sure if I would, I would choose the word imminent in this case. Uh, for blockchain, but I would say this, that um, the first sem semester, let's say, of 2020 shows an uh, increase uh, in its use. But last year they said that it, it would be, um, it would be seen, I mean, this increase would be seen anyway. But I believe uh, to an extent it may uh, the coronavirus crisis may influence, may have influenced this increase in its use. Yes. Okay. Thank you, Christiana. Janos, good to see you. Um, uh, I know you have been looking for some time now, Janos, at uh, how the judicial system uh, could become more efficient through the adoption of technology. Uh, what, what is your opinion on this last point, and how do you see uh, companies that you advise? Uh, adapt to modern ways of um, of operating digitally and uh, and remotely. First of all, I would like to thank you for inviting me here, and also thank uh, Christiana for her excellent um, information. Uh, and also, I would like to point out that she made it sound so poetic. Although blockchain, for some, might be so complex, it made it sound so poetic in certain times. Um, so uh, it's funny that we speak about disruptive uh, um, technology and also a very disruptive virus. And we're trying to connect the two. Um, before I speak about the injustice, I would like to uh, point out that uh, it's very interesting to see that uh, uh, due to these restrictions that have been imposed, everybody rushed uh, quickly to use an existing technology. Uh, a technology that they probably had already available in their offices that they never use or rarely use. 
And of course, those who were lucky enough to be updated at least and have all these equipment and tools, uh, it seems like it didn't take them long from my own experience to adapt uh, in a very short time and be able to work from home. So this is, a, this is an advantage at least for those people that they have already implemented and digitalized their offices so they could utilize them at these uh, difficult times. Uh, those who were not lucky, of course, enough to be updated, they had a, a huge problem. And uh, from my, also, my own experience also, when I know colleagues that I was working with them. Uh, the good thing, although, is that even these people now, they realize that it's so imminent, <laughs> I would use the word imminent, for them to be digitalized. Uh, now, this applies to the individuals, to the people, to the professionals. Now, the e-justice, talking about the e-justice, it's something that it concerns authorities, it concerns uh, the judiciary, it concerns the, actually, institutions. And um, in the same way, I think, it seemed like they were not ready, at least most of the countries. Um, and uh, I believe e-justice is about uh, time to introduce it in our lives. Uh, because it will definitely reduce cost. It will definitely, um, we will gain speed for sure, and we will safeguard security, and we can establish transparency and um, uh, the authenticity of transactions. But uh, another advantage would be that we can, I believe we can reduce the disputes we can definitely reduce the disputes if we introduce uh, e-justice together with blockchain. Um, and this is because it will be done uh, through the smart contracts and will eliminate a lot of disputes and now it's a matter of interpretation. So I believe that uh, e-justice should be part of our life. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm, I can see the developments that Europe has started 10 years ago having a strategy implementing the e-justice and it's trying to help member states to adapt to this. Uh, some other countries like the US, UK, Estonia and China have already uh, started using e-filing and, uh, and their advance in e-justice. And uh, I'm so happy to see that our minister, uh, George Savidis, is so adamant to um, uh, introduce e-justice together with other reforms. Uh, and it's also, it's, it's very handy that we have now the Deputy Minister of Technology, Mr. George Gokinos, uh, that in collaboration with, uh, with the other authorities, relevant authorities, they can introduce e-justice in Cyprus. And it seems like uh, we have the webinar tonight, but last night uh, there was a coverage by the and Twitter, uh, um, the Minister of Justice, that, uh, and it's very good news, that they will proceed in at least introducing some um, uh, of e-justice by, by allowing e-filing of pleadings and affidavits. And also, if I'm not mistaken, they will also allow, they will consider the possibility of lawyers uh, submitting their uh, arguments uh, through video conferencing because they don't need witnesses and maybe it's more complicated to do it that way. But uh, it's possible though to 
proceed gradually and implement property justice together, always, in my opinion, with the blockchain uh, technology. We were discussing the other day, Anos, um, the China case, um, that uh, three of the provinces in China have in fact introduced blockchain technology within their judicial system. And uh, one of the benefits that I was reading up was even the reduction to the carbon footprint, uh, only because there was less traveling between provinces to actually go physically to the courts and, uh, and defend your case or present your case. Uh, and there was, uh, there was a very significant reduction even in carbon footprint. Uh, can you give us a bit more detail? I think you've been looking at that as well. Yes, it's a good job you reminded me of that. I was fascinated to see that China has introduced uh, e-justice together with blockchain. And uh, some of the courts, they did their own platforms. Uh, I'm not a very technical, but uh, Christiana... I think it was consortium blockchains, they, they're actually yeah, not... Instead of having the, the so-called public one, it's like a Bitcoin, they did an alliance, they call them alliance platforms. Um, uh, so they can trust more, the, the, uh, according to them, the, the, the operation. And um, they, they actually started the, the blockchain by introducing it first in an uh, uh, internet, internet court, and they, they considered this as an incubator. It, rather, it was used as an incubator for developing the technology and the blockchain technology and implement it into the uh, normal physical course, which was very hard for them now that coronavirus took place. So they used the actual operations of an internet um, course and brought it into the, uh, the real course. And I think they even imposed some regulations by one of the Supreme Courts uh, where they could uh, acknowledge and recognize uh, blockchain technology as a way of proving uh, or, or uh, authenticating uh, documents. So, so they went, they're quite ahead of time, I think, in, in, in China. But to be fair with the US also, they, they, are, um, they have done uh, some things relating to the um, e-justice and, and um, blockchain. I have read that Arizona has passed some legislation which allows the, uh, let's say, the legitimation, legitimating the smart contracts, blockchain records, and proof of ownership through blockchain technology. And it's something that we should also aim to do. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was the state of Vermont um, that actually accepted uh, blockchain-delivered evidence as well as, as evidence that can be submitted in court. I was reading at some point that uh, there was such a case. Thank you, Janos. Uh, time to move on to our next uh, poll. I will just launch the next uh, uh, question. If you bear with me a second. This is, uh, this is a three-part question um, uh, with uh, regards to remote work conditions and, and blockchain. I'm just launching the poll now. I'll give you 30 seconds to vote on these uh, three questions. Thank you. 
thank you everyone um i will just share the results uh well everybody seems to almost everybody seems to be working uh, remotely in lockdown conditions uh most people are finding it easy to work remotely i think there will be an issue here because a lot of employers will realize that there's no point having all these offices to house people uh, employees and uh, you know uh, uh, there will be I think there will be a bit of a shock in the in the um, uh, office rental uh, system. Uh, which of the following best describes how you currently view the relevance of blockchain? Uh, people that uh, that's good to know that at least forty percent of people are saying that it will be uh, quite critical. Thirty-one uh, percent saying it's going to be important, and uh, some people unsure as to that. Thank you so much. Now, moving on to, um, to again, back to you, Janos. Um, uh, um, can you tell us a bit more? I mentioned at the beginning that you founded, you co-founded the Metropole Alliance, the European Association of Lawyers. Um, how could you see this association uh, influencing the adoption of blockchain at, at European level? And how long do you feel it would take for European courts to accept blockchain-delivered uh, evidence. Okay, I mean, this association, uh, which has been established in Brussels, and I'm voted as president of this association, um, we uh, aim to um, promote the proper administration of justice and encourage collaboration among the members, uh, collaborating uh, cross-border disputes and other matters, and um, also provide education among our members. Um, one of the priorities, it will be to focus also on the uh, e-justice and uh, blockchain. And I believe that uh, our association and the members who are coming from different countries, not just in Europe, but in, uh, in other countries also, they can play a key role in uh, influencing their local authorities, uh, of course, with the collaboration of their local bar associations, to um, implement as fast as possible uh, e-justice and uh, could be a voice uh, that it can uh, uh, make a difference, uh, hopefully, uh, to each member state or each, each um, national uh, court of each of our members. Uh, and I think, uh, I don't know, uh, because Europe, as I said earlier, has been trying to establish e-justice for about a decade now. All the institutions have committed themselves a decade ago to do so. Um, but now I, I'm optimistic that uh, is, uh, time has matured uh, to implement e-justice and blockchain. And uh, because most of, uh, most of the people, as I said earlier, have uh, managed to digitalize their offices or they're trying at least to get adapted to that. Uh, therefore, it's now a time that is easier, I believe, to pass the message and, and through our members, uh, first of all, for themselves to adapt and digitalize uh, in their own countries, and then trying to influence the, their local authorities. And in doing so, I believe we can, and especially by using blockchain, we can um, safeguard all the procedures the credibility, we can create credibility and uh, trust and a convenience. For example, people can confirm 
authorities can, can, can accept the confirmation of documentation through blockchain, like the system you have in place, and, um, uh, rather than using the traditional ways of having a power, um, uh, not a republic or um, having a consul. And this will, will speed up things and make them faster and also it will be uh, easier and quicker to confirm documentation that is necessary to be presented either in court or in other authorities. Thank you, Janos. Uh, I see some very interesting comments in the, in the chat. Uh, we will go to the questions at the end of the session. And uh, also see people joining us from Jordan, Florida, um, uh, quite a lot of uh, places. A very interesting comment I, I picked up now uh, from, it was from, from Peter. Uh, Peter is saying that um, uh, um, uh, working remotely is not the problem, but lockdown is. And I totally agree with you, Peter. Right, uh, going back to our panelists, um, uh, Christiana, how is your organization going about when it comes to uh, having the tools required to uh, work um, remotely and, and securely? Specifically about my own company, yes? Indeed, indeed so. <laughs> okay, uh, first of all, uh, remote work is, is a reality and it is here to stay. And in my view, remote work is only one of the crucial steps to digital transformation, business digital transformation. And it, it needs to be implemented strategically. So um, we need to see it as a part of a whole plan um, what I do about this, uh, home office and um, let's say cloud uh, working are not enough. We need to make sure, for example, that all the systems that we have chosen to work with are connected between remote and non-remote people, for example, in order to avoid any communication problems and wasting of time, then we need to see um, the tools we choose uh, that these tools enable instant communication to ensure that all the people working and actually I avoid, I avoid the word employees and I, I prefer um, the word partners rather than employees. So these people are linked correctly and they are not working isolated and they have the chance of a good teamwork. Then an important factor is a closer supervision and not just relying on instant communication and emails and exchange of texts and even on phone calls is not enough. You need to keep track of the progress of the work continuously. So you need to be involved continuously. And then an important factor um, on, um, with reference to working remotely is to develop uh, new leadership skills because um, 
I think leaders uh, should further improve the way they relate to their teams, especially during these times. So you need to be able to identify the talent. You need to be able to identify the technical skill. You need to be able to identify the personality. And it is important for your project. So I, every day I get to do that. I work on that. Um, so yes, this is what I do in, with reference to my organization. Some initiatives like regular meetings using technologies, video conferences, of course. We, we, we do that. Excellent. Thank you, Christiana. Uh, Janos, may I dare ask you the same question? Yeah, okay. I will say confidently that now we're doing quite well, but I must confess that this is due to another crisis I had a few years ago, which is connected with technology, that it made me more wise. And I would like to share it with the participants. Uh, uh, basically, a few years ago, uh, I was, uh, we were a victim of a, uh, electronic fraud through emails. I think a lot of people have uh, witnessed this, in my opinion, and I had clients who witnessed it, but also our office. Um, uh, some people uh, hacked our email and they pretended it was us, so they asked uh, people, clients of us, to pay money to another, uh, another account of theirs. Um, uh, it was two clients. One of them realized and alerted us but uh, it was two different periods. And the other one though, uh, he didn't, uh, he didn't uh, realize, so he paid the money to somebody else. So after that, I decided to, to become more, uh, uh, to, to, to improve my technology and my security. And the other one that was very, very widely spread, and you must probably remember it, is the ransomware uh, attacks that even the FBI could not handle. And we were one of the victims, but I'm so grateful to those hackers because they made me more educated. And in fact, it's the time that I learned what Bitcoin is. Because these people, they were locking your server and they were demanding that you give them some Bitcoins. They didn't accept anything else. And if you pay them Bitcoins, then they were unlocking. At that time, I was trying, a, it was very futile, but I tried to use my ATs, I never managed. And eventually I gave in and I paid them, but I negotiated. Although they were asking for 20 Bitcoins, I, I ended up paying them one Bitcoin, which thank God at that time was only 200 euros. What I regret though, is that I, I should be buying more uh, uh, Bitcoins at the time. After that though, again, uh, it made us more alert to these attacks, but uh, now we're working well, but I think we're missing, in my opinion, the blockchain. That blockchain will provide that extra security because it's a decentralized system, it's difficult to hack. And uh, of course, we will start adapting ourselves by implementing your software uh, for documents, uh, document authentication. Thank you, Anas. That's a good leading to our next uh, poll question. Uh, allow me to launch that. Um, Second. Here we go. It's a three-part question again. Please take your time to have a look at them. 
Thank you. Uh, it's a good thing that the majority of people have not um, faced issues of document fraud. Mind you, it's, it's not that big of a majority. 41% uh, of uh, participants have actually witnessed fraud, which is worrying. Uh, have you ever quantified the cost? Uh, most people haven't. Uh, I was actually reading a report by um, uh, one of the British universities together with, with a, a, another company, and they said that um, uh, most companies, uh, sorry, most CFOs um, probably account in their budget anything up to 10% of the budget as being the cost of fraud, which is really worrying, a worrying fact. Uh, is your company looking into applying new technology for combating fraud? It's good to see that uh, the majority of people there are looking um, for, for that. Good, let's move on. Um, now, a question to, to both of you, uh, Christiana, you go first, please. Uh, what do you think the future holds um, in terms of the cost of ensuring business continuity, efficiency, and speed uh, in the current uh, work from home um, work from home uh, situation? Uh, let me let me unmute you. Yep, please go ahead. Here, here we are talking about a business continuity plan, of course. Yes, definitely. Yes. So a business continuity plan refers to the steps a business must take in order to face a disaster, let's say. Exactly. In other words, it is a remote access tool of prevention and recovery from potential threats to a company. A good plan, a good business continuity plan will give the company uh, the best chance of surviving such an event. So, because, why? Because it will ensure that your people and assets are protected and able to continue their operations quickly under those circumstances. And I think the coronavirus um, uh, pandemic has shown us how important uh, it is to have a, a good business continuity plan in place uh, to enable uh, people to continue their work even when forced to work from home, let's say, on a moment's notice. So therefore, a business continuity plan will make you feel confident since, since it um, constitutes an alternative solution to quickly work remotely. So this is what I did for my company. I, I conducted, I conducted a, a business continuity plan. I have it. I can't hear you. Can I hear you? I can't hear you. Sorry, I, I, had, I had muted myself. Sorry, that, that's, that's, that's great. Um, uh, Janos, uh, your views on this? How is your company prepared? No, I mean, we, we all realize that, uh, I mean, the blockchain technology, it's uh, relatively new, although, okay, it started uh, back in 2008. Uh, um, it remains the fact that uh, due to its uh, complexities and it's something so unique, uh, it, it seemed like it took a long time for people to start digesting it and trusting it. And uh, we're at the stage now, we are actually looking forward to more regulation 
and uh, and governance for some authorities started doing so although i don't believe that uh, it would be good to regulate uh, very strictly this uh, blockchain technology otherwise it will lose its advantages so um, i believe uh, time has matured now to move forward and um, i see the future being more bright uh, i think everybody now realizes that it is possible to rely on technology more and is necessity now actually it became a necessity in my opinion uh, and um, i think that uh, the, the next uh, five years we have a satisfactory development i don't know whether this is optimistic of uh, implementing uh, e-justice and uh, and uh, blockchain and uh, of course uh, as the lawyers Although we are known for being slow in adapting in the evolution of technology, uh, if we don't want to stay behind, we need to, uh, to keep uh, updated and we should implement technology and be aware of technology. Uh, I think that, um, uh, I think that uh, takes me to my next question to, to both of you, um, uh, uh, which will be the last one because I want to give some time to some questions, some really interesting questions that came in. Uh, the legal profession, as, as you said, Janos, has traditionally been quite a paper reliant, uh, and lawyers have been a kind of programmed to operate around that. What would your advice be to legal professionals out there uh, when it comes to embracing um, uh, technological developments? Um, uh, Christiana, I want to start with you, please. Uh, what would my advice be? Uh, Lawyers should start learning what the technologies can do, not only blockchain, but all technologies. And then um, law firms that don't want to get let, be left behind, um, they need to pay attention and start gaining experience and planning their blockchain strategies now, and, or even any other technology strategies that they, they uh, decided to implement. Um, for example, artificial intelligence, um, automation, machine learning. So lawyers who understand technology and talking about a blockchains, lawyers who understand blockchain and smart contracts will be in high demand. And um, we see more and more business begin moving to blockchain. And what I should, uh, what I would advise um, uh, lawyers is to partner with companies like I have done with Blocko and it's not uh, something not to tell um, why I partner with Blocko Be because I, I know I can serve my clients efficiently and securely and one may ask me what kind of things, uh, what kind of services, uh, what kind of products I offer partnering with Blocko. Okay, so there's, the, the, there's a variety of products one can offer when partnering with a blockchain company. So I'm advising people to partner with technology companies and speaking about blockchain with blockchain companies um, and uh, acquire the necessary experience because, you know, I believe in learning as you 
work, learning as you're doing. So it's, it is good if, if, even if they don't know much about the technology, it is good if they approach a blockchain company with experience, they will help them. Not, I mean, not only Blocko, but any company they decide to approach. And then this company or any, 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 any tech company will explain to them, will demonstrate the products that they offer and the tools in order to offer the client the best service and innovative service, the most innovative service. And in fact, it is the time because now our profession is moving to a client-centric approach. So we need to take good care of our client. And that, that would be my advice to, to lawyers. Thank you, Mr. Down. Yannis, uh, over to you. We'll close with that. I fully agree with uh, Christiana. Uh, we know that lawyers nowadays, we, we have to admit, we don't know much about the blockchain. Uh, but within this, we said the next uh, few years, uh, we'll be dealing with these matters on a daily basis. Uh, so, uh, although, as Christiana said earlier, it's a disruptive technology and it could take away some of our work I mean, through the smart contracts, blockchain can take some, and some lawyers maybe have a fear for that. At the same time, it gives an opportunity uh, for us lawyers, uh, for new clients, for new matters, and uh, for more revenues. Um, and just to give an example, I mean, lawyers can easily generate money if they educate themselves by transforming um, um, normal contracts and codify them into smart contracts. Examples of this would be, for example, I was reading the other day and I found it very interesting, it's the, uh, the perhaps the sale of a car and, and the ability through the smart uh, contract, uh, provided this car has a computerized system and if the buyer does not pay his installments, to be able uh, to lock the doors through the smart contract to activate these uh, with predefined rules, uh, activate uh, this uh, locking of the, of the doors, uh, deactivate the, the ignition, and even through the GPS locating the, the car. Uh, or in a case of a um, lease, let's say, where the landlord would be able through a smart contract to activate and lock the access to the properties or to the common areas, um, provided that the, uh, according to again some predefined uh, rules, or uh, in case of a will, um, it can activate the payment to the heirs upon the death of the testator. So uh, it's unlimited, at least. I will not sit here outlining all this, but just to give you an example that um, lawyers will also be able to advise in case of problems litigation. They will advise how to use blockchain uh, and they will advise in so many aspects and they can also have tools in their hands of proving their cases as long as they use tools as your tool uh, and the provided this is recognized, of course, by the courts in order to facilitate the proving the cases. 
So it's Wonderful. so many things, so many things that are available for us. As long as we get educated, we can utilize them to make more money and not have a fear of technology. We should embrace technology, in my opinion. Beautiful. Thank you, Janos. Uh, sorry, Christiana, one second. Let me unmute you. Sorry, now you're unmuted. Please. Uh, allow me to share one example with the people that um, listen to us. Um, that I, uh, in, a, in, a, in a way, I use Bloco. Um, imagine copywriters, intellectual property. We have a, a client. They, he, she approaches us with a claim that she holds the right on a particular intellectual piece or property piece. So they want to protect it. You know, we don't have a registry of copyrights. There, there is no registry of copyright in Cyprus, so we can register that copyright. So we actually, what we did as intellectual property lawyers, we drafted a declaration by the copyright owner and then the lawyer also drafted the declaration that this client visited me on that and that day and they uh, uh, shared with me their idea. Of course, their idea is not copyrighted because ideas cannot be copyrighted, but it usually started by this. I have this and this idea and I did that and that in this and this way. And maybe they also reveal uh, why they, they were inspired to do that within that composition, let's say. And then we went to the registrar of the court and they, he, he stamped it, she stamped it. Uh, and then we closed it in an envelope and we kept it in a fireproof place in the office. I don't do that anymore because of Blocko because I can get a hash, a blockchain hash, and protect the copyright owner on the blockchain. So Blocko offers this uh, opportunity to my clients, so that why not partner with, with Blocko to do that? So this is one service, or you can even call it legal product. Yep. that I offer to my clients and they are, they are fascinating about it. They love it. Wonderful. Thank you, Christiano. Let me go quickly on to the questions. Thank you both. I will first take a question that came in this morning um, from, uh, from, uh, um, uh, from Arnold. Uh, Arnold's question has three parts to it and, uh, and I, will, I will actually take uh, the, uh, the, uh, to answering this. Uh, Arnold is asking, what is the need for a censorship-resistant distributed database for the legal industry, and what would be the incentive to maintain the chain? He's also asking why would a relatively costly DLT, distributed layer technology, be used in place of cheap, proven SQL databases? Um, I know with regards to your first question, what is the need for a censorship-resistant distributed database? Well, the answer is simple. Whenever there's a, uh, there's a need for a document that is validity needs guaranteeing and it is subject to fraud, our solution applies. 
with regards to your second question, what would be the incentive to maintain the chain? Um, private blockchains need to maintain a chain and they thus need incentives. Uh, we use a public blockchain, so we don't really maintain anything. Uh, we issue only once and the proof lives for free forever. And finally, why would a relatively costly DLT be used in place of a cheap uh, SQL database? Uh, the use of a DLT always comes down to decentralization, a very important word, decentralization. Um, if it is not needed, uh, you can easily have a government validator. Um, and a centralized SQL is just fine. Of course, a centralized database remains a single point of failure. Right, let me go to some of the questions that came in through the chat. Uh, there's one that I saw from, from Yannis, a uh, very interesting one. Let me just find it. Uh, sorry about that. Alexis, you can send us the, the questions and we can... Definitely send all the questions. Yes, please be sure, guys, that all the questions will be answered. Right, Jan is asking, what are the top three legal changes that need to take place in order to make the technology impact society and provide solutions in the next few years rather than in the next 30 years? Christiana, would you like to take that? First of all, regulation. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable that we still have the same regulation for lawyers. I mean, it's outdated. Totally. So this, I guess, is the first thing that needs to be changed. Then, what I believe is that lawyers should, should start learning about technologies. Because this is inevitable. They have to. They can't do otherwise. So they should be encouraged to follow courses, free webinars, read about technologies, and then approach, as I said before, the uh, uh, partners to partner with uh, technologists. And the other thing that I believe should change, of course, is uh, that lawyers should work along with technologists because these technologies need both skills. So how can, for example, a smart contract be recorded on the blockchain if a lawyer is not, uh, there to advise the technologist or if the technologist it does, does, not, uh, does not advise the lawyer. So they need to co-exist in the same company. So I, I think that these skills should be enhanced and the way they can be enhanced is by working together and learning together. Great, thank you, Christiana. Yannis, I will give. I was going to give the next question to you, you, Yannis, so we can actually get along. It's a question from Firas. 
do you think the conventional legal forums, such as traditional courts and arbitration centers, can adopt to solve disputes arising out, um, arousing out or connection of smart contracts? Or do you think that a new e-forum can emerge to decide on such potential disputes? Well, Sorry. Uh, it's a very good question, this. Um, I will believe, I will think uh, that, that um, an e-forum might be more appropriate to solve um, uh, this kind of uh, disputes, especially when they're relying on a technical aspects. Uh, this doesn't mean that um, disputes cannot be solved through the traditional courts because we should never forget that our aim is to digitalize and to provide e-justice and expertise to everybody. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we are talking about a complete digital justice. Therefore, might be not, uh, might be academic to think about uh, uh, something like that, like uh, let's put an e-forum, because maybe by, um, helping the judiciary and helping the system as a whole internationally to turn to an, an e-justice system, then everybody who is, a, is um, doing this job, uh, a dispute resolution forum, I would say, either arbitration or court, internal court or whatever, would be in a position to solve these, uh, these matters because after all, we want everybody to be educated. This is my opinion. Okay, wonderful. Um, there's another question that I give to you, Christiana. I, I come across this question from a number of people. Uh, how would you comment, um, Anastasio says, uh, on the obvious difficulty to align blockchain potential regulation with EU data protection law, GDPR? I'm sure you have come across this question uh, on a number of occasions as well. Yes, what is, excuse me, can you repeat the question? Indeed. How does, in other words, how can you align blockchain regulation with the GDPR regulation? I be, I be, we are, are we talking about certain uh, clauses like the deletion clause, deletion when uh, the... Uh, uh, there's, there's no other information there. It's just, uh, it's just the, the comparison that within, I, I believe that uh, they, they will find ways to, they will, fi they will find ways to align this and uh, in terms of certain clauses that exist within the GDPR that actually come in contrast with um, core uh, properties of, of blockchain, I think we will see GDPR, we will see uh, GDPR soon being um, altered on okay. these certain clauses. Be, because in any, in any way, we, we, this is a technology. So in those instances um, that, for example, uh, if I remember correctly, like uh, Article 17, Article 28, of the rights of, of the subject to have their personal data sent, uh, deleted 
from the database of the blockchain. And of course, we know that we cannot do that on a, on a blockchain. It is always there. You can only create a new block and uh, uh, invalidate the previous information in the previous block. But I, so they're still there. So I think they will come up with, at the moment, they don't align. But I think they will come up with, uh, uh, especially on these clauses, with sure. no softening on the, 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 they will alter them. If I may state my point there, because we've come across that question quite often as well, given our product, Christiana. Um, the EU report on blockchain and GDPR states that um, hashed personal data are not considered personal data as long as they're not reversible. Reversibility could only be possible um, if there's a very small size to the file. Now, PDFs, which is what we're using, are orders of larger magnitude, so they cannot be treated as reversible. And that is, and that is, the, uh, that, that is a point of view of, with regards to, to our solution. So that's, uh, that's, that's how that is set up. You understand, um, Alexis Mouya, that this specific question may mm -hmm. form a whole master thesis. I mean, I mean, it is not easy for me to know what the EU will do about this. I mean, and uh, it is not easy to predict. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Uh, I mean, this is a, a very difficult question even for, for any uh, highly knowledgeable uh, digit GDPR expert. I mean, uh, it needs to be researched. And it is only in our uh, long webinar, it is very difficult to reply to this question. And I think it is logical. It is logical. Thank you. Um, at this point, I would like to thank our distinguished guests and our audience for attending the online discussion. All questions will be answered. Uh, be sure of that. We, you will get the responses to all your questions. Including. Say that again, sorry? This last one, including. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, a certificate of attendance will be issued on our platform and will be sent to all participants. And the first part five corporates that log their interest through our inquiries mail will be set up with an account and receive for free a hundred documents issued on our platform. So you can actually experience the use of our platform with any kind of document that you actually have. Um, now, if you have additional questions, as I said, um, uh, we will reach out to you via mail or uh, through our social media channels. Now, stay safe, everyone, and see you next webinar to be announced shortly for next month. Um, we will have some closing poll questions requesting your feedback on this session. Thank you very much, and take care. Thank you, Christiana. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you very much, Alexis. Thank you, all the participants, for spending all the time of their evening to listen to us. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. I'm just launching the final two questions. Thank you.
Thank you very much for voting, everybody. Have a good night or day according to where you are. Bye-bye.